Welcome back, guys, to Wrestling Recommendations, episode 60. I'm your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... Uh, in North Carolina, Travis Laster, and it is freezing balls here right now. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cold here, man. It's pretty cold. I think today it said like the low was like 23 or something like that. Yeah, it's supposed to be 20 here today and then 23 tomorrow, so not looking forward to it. Fuck you, Eric, right off the bat. Fuck you, Eric. He loves it. He loves it. Travis, before we get rolling into this episode, this week's episode, um, we got to talk about it, bud. Saturday night, War Games. Uh, See a punk, baby. He's back. I was about to say, did something happen? I mean, I, I, Our <laughs> wrestling, back. I was about to say, the wrestling world didn't like collectively shit its pants when CM Punk returned. Um, no, man, it was. It's surreal to see, man. I, I watched that return video, I know, probably 10 or 12 times just because I kept getting that goosebump feeling like that just like this is what wrestling's supposed to be like a surprise return and i mean it wasn't really a surprise but you know to a lot of people that were hoping for it i mean it, it was great um i enjoyed the hell out of it, it it's just a feel-good moment i know people probably like oh he's a hypocrite he came back but man everybody grows up everybody changes you know and it shows the maturity of not only him but of wwe to put that behind him let's let's make some fucking money and not and not following the footsteps of AEW where they couldn't get out of their own way to make some fucking money with CM Punk. But um glad he's back, man. Randy Orton looks like a fucking million bucks and his mat, you know, when he came back, dude is shredded. Uh then we like you alluded to, we saw our truth, man. It was a damn night of returns for the WWE uh at Survivor Series. Dude, it was Randy Orton was fucking jacked and people were like, Oh, he's on steroids. Dude, he's not wrestled in fucking a year and a half. <laughs> He's going to be jacked. Like, he's off the road. He's at home. He can work out at his own leisure. Like, of course, you're going to be huge. Everyone's always huge when they go on a fucking, you know, or they get injured and they come back because they actually have time to take care of themselves. Um, but, dude, it was so awesome. I was I was so pumped. Um, they got me. I thought they were going to just play off Orton coming back, and then Punk's music was going to hit, and he was going to be the fifth man for their team. Orton came out, hit that awesome RKO on J.D. McDonough. Uh and then all of a sudden, you know, they start to pan out and I'm like, you know, this wasn't a bad show. It was a pretty good show. And Finn stayed awake with me. And all of a sudden we heard it and I looked at him. He looked at me and his jaw hit the floor. And then that's when I recorded my little video. I was like, I'm like they fucking got us. They got us so fucking good. They no threw that, fucking way. They threw that copy right up there and everything like, oh, well, maybe we're not going to get it tonight. You know, maybe that it's all been just rumor in in your window. And, and boom, there, there it was, man. And. Just, just, I still, still getting a little just warm and fuzzy feeling about it, man, because it's just, that's what I love about pro wrestling. Like, that's why we do what we do and we talk about this stuff all the time is just those moments that will live the test of time and, and just be talked about for a while. I mean, that this is the most social clip in WWE history on uh, social media. So, uh, there's a there's a uh, hunger for CM Punk, a clamoring for CM Punk, and there's probably people in the WWE universe, 
you can use that word lightly, I guess. They doesn't even know his ass was in AEW. So this is all a first time return for him. So, you know, just, just cool to see, man. Happy for him. Happy for WWE and happy for AEW to be away from it. I guess if that's what they want to do, but just, just a, just a nice feel good moment, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the raw afterwards too. We watched that with the wrestling purist while we were recording, uh, the episode of the shoot with them. So we all sat in a little square and jerked off on zoom as he cut a promo. So, yeah, it's fun, man. And it's cool to see the whole, uh, everything kind of come together because of course we, we were watching wrestling then. I mean, we, I, we, I pretty much watched punk debut on WWE television, uh, all the way to, you know, money in the bank to, uh, the, the historic title reign at the time was 434 days. And then of course his match with taker and then building up to him, you know, essentially get getting fired slash quitting then the podcast and then the MMA stuff. And then we're like, Oh, maybe we'll get punk. Maybe we won't. The, the years, you know, everyone was chanting his name. Like he was talking about. And then we finally get an AEW and it made me so happy to see punk back. Cause I'm a punk guy. I like watching CM Punk. I like his attitude. I like his brutal honesty. So when we get them all back and, and we get an AEW, and then we hear all this other stuff that happens. We get the brawl out and then he's injured. He comes back and it's like, yeah, fucking see a punk's back. Great. They put him on collision. Cool. Gives me a reason to want to watch collision, even though, you know, it's like drawing like shit. Uh, and then they do the FTR stuff. Really pumped. See that love FTR. And then all in happens. And of course him and uh, jungle jungle boy, Jack Perry get into it and he's gone. And Tony Khan said he feared for his life because he lunged at him. Pussy. Still makes me laugh. Still makes Pussy. me laugh. It just makes it just makes me think of like the old days, like Harley Race bringing a fucking gun to Kansas City and pulling it on Hogan, and like to now. I mean, it is stark difference. But you know, we all kept hoping that you know this might lead to Punk going back to WWE. Could have Triple H putting putting aside all all things because he wants the fans to have a good time. Also, he wants to make some fucking money, and I yeah. fucking respect that because that's what it's fucking about in the long run is making money and drawing. And, dude, it opened up the floodgates because the Royal Rumble's coming up. Cody announced himself this past Monday, and who knows? Who knows what's going to happen now? Like, that's fucking awesome. Like, when it, you have this many wheels rolling, it's you don't know who's going to win. I like that, the unpredictability. Dude, and, and look at the top of the card right now. It's stacked. You got Punk. Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, um, Damian Priest, Randy Orton, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, L.A. Knight, A.J. Styles. Uh, you could throw Sheamus on there in there because you know he's getting ready to probably come back from his injury too. So, I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, there's just a ton of the guys, man, and the roster is loaded like it hasn't been loaded in a long time, and it's just and it slowly happened like. And WWE was, after the pandemic, has just fucking caught fire, man. They're just gangbusters doing business right now. And kudos to those guys. They worked their asses off to get everybody to that point. And I hope, I hope they keep the momentum rolling. Yeah, I, I would say since Clash at the Cat, well, I'd say probably even since um, SummerSlam 2022, they've been on fire, man. Every no. pay-per-view, I'm still calling them pay-per-views. Brock Lesnar, I forgot about him. He's still there. Logan Paul. We have all of this 
all these shows have been great. I've not been disappointed by any of the PLEs. Every show has been really good. And to your credit, too, like you were saying, you already have a guy that's tailor-made ready for the main event. You have Gunther. He's ready. Mm -hmm. You have a a solid mid-card on Raw and SmackDown, and these guys are ready to roll, and that's exciting. It's about time. Um, I know somebody was comparing ages where, like, the average age of the guys in WWE are, like, 40. But, dude, these guys, they're going to have the longevity. And I, I really – I'm excited. This this Rumble season is going to be great. Yeah, and it's guys that have honed their craft and are fucking awesome at it. They don't need to be, you know – everyone needs reps, but these guys are fully developed, ready to roll. Like, these – these are bona fide superstars. Like you're not pushing people down your throat that aren't developed yet, that don't know what's going on. And you know, it's WWE's just a fine, well-oiled machine. And I think Triple H has got him on the right track, man. I know he had some hiccups with Vince trying to jump back in there a few times and and possibly messing up his game plan. But dude, whatever he did in black and gold, he's doing on the fucking main roster now, and it's phenomenal. And then the tag division, it's on fire right now, too. The Creed brothers are there, DIY with their shitty new music, which I'm not a fan of. No. Um, but there is a plethora of tag teams. It's a uh, it's a very exciting time, man, to be a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. And and not to mention the women, too, man. The women, women is stacked. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just the WWE, if they have one weak spot, maybe tag teams. But they're slowly building that with people like DIY and the Creed brothers and all that stuff. So, there's not much holes in their game right now. Um, and, and it's a great thing to see, man. Cause we admitted it last night, man. We, we, we bleed WWE to an extent because that's been our main wrestling promotion, our entire, no, we love all professional wrestling, but it's been our main go-to wrestling promotion, our entire lives. So we're always going to have a love for WWE and, and I hope AEW gets itself on track and stuff like that too. But, I mean, it's just, it's hard to root against them right now with everything they've got going for them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see where this leads in the upcoming weeks, kind of talking about it. But, Travis, let's roll on to this week's episode. Randy Orton versus Chris Benoit for the World Heavyweight Championship from SummerSlam 2004. Kind of a sleeper match. Yeah, man, it's not talked about enough, really. I mean... Orton's moment is talked about, but it's never talked about the match or who he beat or anything like that because it is Crispin Juan, and rightfully so. Crispin Juan is taboo to some people, of uh, you know, for past events and stuff in his life. But uh, this is in the middle of the ruthless aggression era. They're trying something different. They've got away from the Triple H's reign of terror. Uh, they've given Benoit a shot. They're trying to make Orton Orton's on fire at this point. Um, and I, I think it would be talked about more if uh, the circumstances around Chris Benoit's life uh, didn't happen the way they happened. I agree. I agree with that. I think it is, uh, it's one of those black eyes. I mean, it's like WrestleMania 20. No one talks about it because of, because of the whole situation. Um, but luckily on our podcast, this is Chris Benoit's fifth time on the podcast. Second most appearances right under Bret Hart. So uh, we have some love for the, for the rabid Wolverine. Um, Damn Canadian. Once again, we don't believe in what he did, but we do believe in um, his wrestling abilities. So, yep. 
So really quick, Travis. So we have covered Randy Orton up to his match with Mick Foley at Backlash 2004. We covered that on a past episode. We have also covered Chris Benoit up to May 2004 following his match with Shawn Michaels from Raw. That episode's actually relatively new. So I'm going to just pick up from the night after Backlash and just kind of roll from there with both guys and talk about what's going on on um, the red brand, on the Raw brand. Sounds good to me. The night after Backlash 2004 on Raw, Chris Benoit and Edge would defeat Ric Flair and Batista to become the new World Tag Team Champions. One week after this, on the April 26th episode of Raw, Randy Orton would continue his legend killer status by spitting in Harley Race's face. I still remember that moment like it's fucking yesterday. Kansas City, baby. Hawk's a big-ass loogie right in his face, too. Yeah. Talk about getting heat, man. Fucking Randy Orton. On the May 3rd episode of Raw, Chris Benoit would defeat Shawn Michaels to retain the World Heavyweight Championship thanks to Triple H uh, interfering and pedigreeing Shawn. That's the match we were just talking about. That's the match we covered with uh, Shawn Michaels and Chris Benoit. Pretty good match other than the finish. Yep. I would uh, agree with you on that one, sir. Yeah. On the May 17th episode, so two weeks later on Raw, Randy Orton was cutting a promo and be inter- would be interrupted by Shelton Benjamin. Shelton would challenge Randy Orton to an Intercontinental Championship match. The challenge, however, was denied by Orton, who said he wouldn't soil the Intercontinental Championship by defending it against Shelton Benjamin. There are some racist undertones in his yep. promo. I uh, <laughs> didn't really want to talk about it, but it's there. Yeah, that could be construed in a totally different light. Uh, his words, I believe, were... Uh, we don't need your kind holding the championship. It was along the lines of something like that. Yeah. Different time, different place. Still not, still not, should have not been part of a wrestling promo in 2004. Yeah, not, not probably the best thing, but you know, they were all in at WrestleMania 19 with Booker T and Triple H. So whatever wrestling, <laughs> that's wrestling. That's wrestling. On that same episode of Raw, Benoit and Edge would go on to defend the tag titles against Orton and Batista, seeing Benoit tap out Randy Orton. However, Kane would win a battle royal later that night to earn the right to face Chris Benoit at June 13th's Bad Blood. On the May 31st episode of Monday Night Raw, it was announced that Orton would defend the title, the Intercontinental title, against Shelton Benjamin at Bad Blood. On that same episode of Raw, Benoit and Edge would lose the tag titles to La Resistance ending their reign at 42 days. I actually yep. think they're a pretty good tag team. Yeah, uh, they had a decent little run there, and their story actually continues on through the rest of the year, right on through Money in the Bank next year. Oh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk mm-hmm. in the aftermath. We'll talk about these two. At Bad Blood, Benoit would compete twice during that show. He and Edge would defeat La Resistance by disqualification after Kane interfered and big-booted Benoit. Of course, they would not win the titles because of the DQ. Later on in that show, Benoit would go on to retain the World Heavyweight Championship against Kane. Orton, on the same show, would defeat Shelton Benjamin to retain the Intercontinental Championship. On the June 14th episode of Raw, Triple H demanded another World Heavyweight title shot, because why wouldn't he? It would be later granted to him by Eric Bischoff to fight Chris Benoit at Vengeance for the title. This would see Eugene added into the feud as Triple H pretended to be friends with him. Eugene. Less said about Eugene, the better. At the time, watching it, I, was, I thought it was funny, and I thought that it, I, I thought it was a good time. Retrospect, not very great. No, 
no and i get it it's like ah this guy loves wrestling so much but then when you look at it it's like they're poking fun at the mentally handicapped <laughs> somewhat Talking, so, yeah. talking about your kind not holding titles special needs dudes doing special needs things out there uh i'll never forget really quick i gotta tell you this um my uncle of course uh my uncle terry uh i went to indiana around that time every summer we would go uh i would go to indiana with my brother typically um we would fly there and we would spend i would spend like two weeks there during summer from when i was living in florida so we would go there and i remember we were watching like all, like watching raw or something he goes man not missing a beat is exact words. He goes, man, those, he's like, those retarded guys are so strong. And I said, Oh my God. <laughs> I looked, I was like, you know, he's not really specially like special needs. Right. And he was like, what? <laughs> like it was still real to him. It was, yeah. but he, that was his exact words. So, uh, he did a good job convincing it to people. My <laughs> uncle believed he was that Eugene was special needs. So I'll, I'll never forget him saying, he's like, man, they'll get all strong on you. Said, Jesus Christ, Uncle Terry. Like, it's it's a work, brother. Come on. Come, come down, take a break there, brother. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus. During this time, Edge had vowed to take all members of Evolution out, which resulted in Edge getting an Intercontinental Championship match against Randy Orton at Vengeance. Uh, on that show, June, uh, July 11th, 2004, Vengeance, Orton would lose the Intercontinental Championship to Edge, and Chris Benoit would defeat Triple H by roll-up. Orton versus Edge is on our list. I'm excited to cover that one one day. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, that feud is that feud in 04 is not talked about enough. Edge versus Evolution is actually pretty cool. It was getting Edge set up to be a bigger star, but it's just... Once he becomes a radar superstar, everything is before that's pretty much forgotten, except for ENC and the Brood. Yeah, yeah. This little gap. I mean, when he comes back from injury, and, and this show is very significant. Edge's heel turn as well. We'll talk about that when we get to that point. But um, I love this Edge. This Edge was cool. This is the Edge. Uh, I think he was. Is he st- he's coming out to Metalingus now? Is he not? Uh, it's Rob Zombie, I believe. I guess still Rob Zombie at this point. It's fucking cool, man. I was an itch. Fucking love that. I'm all pumped up. Fucking smoke. Love it. On the July 19th episode of Raw, Randy Orton would get a rematch for the Intercontinental Championship, but would lose to Edge. It was on this episode that it would be announced that Benoit versus Triple H would take place the following week on Raw in a 60-minute Iron Man match for the World Heavyweight Championship. On the July 26th episode of Raw, 20 men would be waiting in the ring as the show started, only for Eric Bischoff to come out and announce that there would be a 20-man battle royal with the winner getting a World Heavyweight Championship match at SummerSlam. The match would come down to Randy Orton and Chris Jericho, seeing Orton eliminate Jericho to become the new number one contender. After the match, Orton would be backstage celebrating with Batista and Ric Flair until Triple H would walk in. Orton says he's excited to face Triple H at SummerSlam and wishes him luck. Triple H says he's the game, Jack. He doesn't need luck. Tension is already starting to build within Evolution. In the main event, Chris Benoit would defeat Triple H in the Iron Man match with help from Eugene after Eugene realized that they were using him. Uh, I was going to talk more about Eugene. Him and Benoit have a a little scuffle back and forth because Benoit accidentally hits him with a chair. Then Eugene hits him with a chair. It is what it is. However, Eugene comes in and I think he rock bottoms Triple H and or hits him with a chair. I can't remember exactly. Um, But Benoit ends up winning four to three. Super underrated match. It is not on our list just because I feel like 
I feel like there's other Iron Man matches that are better, but it's still a very good match. Yeah, and Eugene's involvement doesn't help with that uh, match rating. No, not at all. On the August 2nd episode of Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton would cut a promo hyping up at potentially becoming the youngest world champion ever. I have that clip right here. Uh, Randy Orton, uh, first let me start out. You know what, Todd? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in destiny? Well, Uh, Well, I do. And I believe the reason that I lost the Intercontinental Championship to Edge last month is because I am destined to become the youngest world heavyweight champion in history. Now, I know what you're thinking. Brock Lesnar. (laughs) Brock Lesnar defeated The Rock in 2002 at SummerSlam for the world title at the young age of 25. But at SummerSlam this year, Randy Orton will be a very young 24. And just think, I will have accomplished more at the age of 24 than most people accomplish in their entire life. Now Chris Benoit, he's the world champion. He's the toughest. He is the best. Right now. But you see, Todd, at SummerSlam this year, Chris Benoit is going to be like Mick Foley, Harley Race, Shawn Michaels, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. They're all the same. All that whole list, they've all been laid down by the legend killer. They've all been killed off by the hands of the legend killer. And the next and youngest world heavyweight champion Randy Orton. It's a pretty good little promo. I'll show you a good promo. Whoa. Later on that night, Evolution, Orton, Batista, and Flair defeated Chris Benoit, Edge, and Chris Jericho in a six-man tag match with Orton pinning Chris Benoit after an RKO. Putting putting some uh some heat under him, getting him going, putting the rocket ship under him. Old old trick of uh the uh, challenger beats the champion in a tag match. They do that. That's a how lot. you get him over. That's how you get him over, brother. He's actually he's a threat. He's a threat. He's a he's a contender. On the August 9th episode of Raw, Benoit defeated Orton and Triple H in a handicap match by disqualification after Ric Flair attacked Benoit as he had Orton in the crossface. This would lead us right into this match and this show. Travis, SummerSlam 2004 took place on August 15th, 2004 at the Air Canada Center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, or Bizarro World if you watch this show. Yeah. Because that's what they call it. And Jerry Lawler calls it that at least uh, 10 times dozen, during this match. dozen times. Yeah. It's because all the hills are getting cheered and the baby faces are getting booed. We'll talk about it here in a second. The attendance, 17,640. A lot of people. Oh, that yeah. Is a lot of people. The Canadians love their wrestling. That's that's one damn thing. And they're passionate. Brandon knows. Fuck you, Brandon. So we'd get the Dudley boys with Bubba, Devon, and Spike defeating Rey Mysterio, Billy Kidman, and Paul London. What a team. That's crazy. Kane defeated Matt Hardy in a Till Death Do Us Part match, which the, the winner got to marry Lita. I found out Matt Hardy like tore his ACL and still wrestled this match. Good for him. 
This is during. This is right. This is uh, before the whole cheating thing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I, I thought about that too because, like, man, Matt Hardy's injured, and he Edge is going to be on the road with fucking Lita around this time. It's going to be really fucking weird. It oh, has yeah. begun. It, it it fucking happens. It's right around this time. Uh, John Cena defeated Booker T in a match of their best of five series. This is match number one uh, for the United States Championship. So John Cena is up one nothing. Um, before that match happens, John Cena or Randy Orton's in the back and he cuts a really great promo. And John Cena comes back there. It's the first time that we've had these guys face to face, which is fucking ironic because this is 2004, and you're essentially looking at what the future holds for the next. 10 years, 15 oh, yeah. years um, with John Cena and Randy Orton being pretty much the face of WWE. And uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Like when I saw this as a kid, when I say a kid, you know, 2004, I was what 16. I was a kid. I was hyped. I was like, fuck yes, this is what I want. I want to see this match, make it fucking happen. And we wouldn't get this match until what? 2007. Yeah, and then it becomes a, becomes a staple for the next five years. Like there used to be that graphic going around of all, all their the matches. Same, it was the same two pictures of like Orton and Cena, but it was just the backgrounds changed for the pay per view that they were main eventing. So, like oh nine is, I think it's oh nine where they have like four or five main event pay per views in a row, and they have that one where is it Cena chain somebody changed somebody to a ring post. Is one of the uh, one of the endings to the uh, match? Uh, is it Breaking Point? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's 09. Yeah. So uh, there there was a time period when it was the main event either featured Batista, Triple H, Cena, or Orton. Yep. One of those four guys main evented every pay per view from like a certain time period. I remember it was like a fucking crazy statistic. Um, but I mean, it was the it was the era of Cena. Vincent Mann got behind John Cena. Randy Orton, of course, at the time, you know, he had the the terrible attitude. So I think that held him back. He could have been, a, you know, he was his own worst enemy around that time. True. Let's get back to this show. Edge defeated Batista and Chris Jericho to retain the Intercontinental Championship. This is where the Bizarro World comes in. Edge was booed out of the building, which would eventually lead to his heel turn and probably the greatest thing to happen to him. Yep. He has said it publicly that going in there and getting booed in his hometown, he immediately went to the back and was like, you have to turn me heel. You've got to. Like, I, yeah, he's like, I look me. like a schmuck, if not. They're booing me here in my hometown. You've got to do something. I'm down. I'm yeah, dying. We'll talk more about it, too, because there's a fun fact that I found out later on. We'll, we'll talk about it. Kurt Angle defeated Eddie Guerrero, which would be a rematch from WrestleMania 20. Um, Kurt Angle had Luther Reigns in his corner, so there's that. Ugh. Ugh. This is so bad. Luther Reigns is fucking terrible, man. It's not good. Um, it's it's one of their less well-known matches. It's not as good as their Mania match, so people don't really talk about it. Plus, it's just kind of jammed in the middle of this card. Um, there's still a lot of good stuff going on here. The card's not overall well-received compared to other SummerSlam shows. Triple H defeated Eugene because... Why not? You, it's Eugene. We'll it's talk the, more about this in the aftermath. <laughs> it's the cerebral assassin versus the guy with half a brain. Come on. Oh, man. We would get the Divas Dodgeball match, Travis. Hell yeah. Divas Dodgeball. So I read actually read a, a fact about this, that 
the it was the diva search people which had um Michelle McCool, Michelle McCool Christy Hemi, and I think Maria Canellis were all on that team. Mm-hmm. And they the dodgeball match was like a shoot, and it was like six on six, and the diva search team won, and they held wrestlers court and held them accountable for losing in that fucking match. <laughs> yeah, because Michelle McCool was like a legitimate athlete, and she was she was taking people, people out. out, dude. She was. Uh, it was actually kind of fun to watch. If you go back and watch it, just because because of that historical value, you'll realize, oh shit, like they got some fucking heat. Which I think uh, Michelle McCool talked about that too on one. I think the Takers um, doc or something. They, they she talks about it somewhere. I remember her talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would get JBL defeating the Undertaker by disqualification. Undertaker choke slams him on top of the limo. Uh, apparently, I read too that um, Undertaker wanted to go over or wanted JBL to go over clean. He was willing to put him over clean to make him, you know, establish him more as a star. This is this is actually a, it's not talked about as much now because JBL is not on commentary and stuff. But I can remember JBL being champion, and I just legitimately wanted him to lose. Like, and that's yeah. what a heel's supposed to be. Like, I just wanted him to lose so bad. And I was like, there's no way he's gonna beat the Undertaker. And they have multiple matches, and he always sneaks one by, and it just made me well, hate him even more. That's 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 credit to JBL because JBL says no, I want to win by DQ because it'll make people more pissed off that I kept the title that way. So he yep. got it, and you know these guys are both these guys are really good friends. Uh, apparently, Taker was uh, his groomsman, like or like his best man in his uh, wedding. Yep, they're clo- they're they're close. Yeah. And then, of course, the main event would be the match we're covering right now. Randy Orton versus Chris Benoit for the World Heavyweight Championship. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purists podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we are back, guys. Guys, if you want to watch this match along with us, you're going to pull up your Peacock app. You're going to search SummerSlam. 
find season 17, episode one, because I fucking hate this. Uh, we're going to start at the two hour, 15 minute and 58 seconds. Uh, you're going to see Bell just ring, Orton and Benoit are staring down one another. Um, Travis, are you ready? Yes, sir. Alrighty. We're going to say uh, three, two, one. I'm playing. And here we go. Man, look at the intensity. Look at Orton's eyes, man. Tells a story. This is before the Viper, too. Very much before the Viper. This is, I mean, you there's a lot think, of man. weight on Randy Orton's shoulders here, too. You got to think he's young. young you got to think, too. He, he's, he's coming off a fucking amazing run. He had He's had great matches with Edge. He had that amazing match with Mick Foley. And now he's, you know, in the main event and they're, they're strapping the rocket to him. And it's hard to argue why they, why they did it. Like dude looks like a million fucking bucks. Looks like a million bucks has proved he can work with just about anybody. And I mean, they put him in the main event of SummerSlam and Crispin was home country against him. Um, that shows how much faith in him they had in him and how much they looked at him as the future of the business as one of the futures of the business. Something I like about this match, too, is Orton is the heel. Orton does not do pretty much anything heelish in this match. No, it's it's very much straightforward match. And uh, I think it's more so because Benoit is that straightforward guy. And he's, he's, he's implied it to Orton that Orton can't do it without cheating, can't do it without evolution. So maybe this is his way of being like, yes, I can. I, I can prove that I can because that comes into a thing at the end of the match. But. I just love some of these counters and holds and everything they do here for about the first good five minutes. They, they, they actually wrestle. Yeah. It's a good filling out process. Uh, they were doing something right in the beginning where they were locking up and they were letting it go real quick. I fucking like that. Cause you don't normally see that. It's like no one could get the fucking grasp on what they wanted to do. So they backed off. And like, ah, I'm going to try it again. And they do it again. It's a, I just little things. I like shit like that really quick too, Travis. So we started watching this, um, Right as the match starts and Earl's out there, the fans berate Earl Hebner with uh, you screwed Brett Chance. Oh, yeah. It's still a thing. Brett Hart's not back yet. <laughs> He's not came back, like, even for the Hall of Fame or the DVD or anything yet. So It's next year. It's the following he, year, I believe. It's 05, I believe. He's still fucking hated in Canada. And, and this <laughs> match, man, makes it really look how, like, long-legged Orton is in there against Huge. Benoit. It looks so much bigger than Benoit. And and normally you'd think, oh, man, Orton's just a regular guy, but he looks huge besides Benoit. Dare we say Randy Orton, championship world championship tan here? I will say so on that. I am also a big fan of those tights, and he never really wore them again. I have that in my notes. Like, I'm a huge fan of Randy's salmon tights. I think they're, they're like an orange-ish salmon color, and I, I don't remember him wearing these ever again. No, and maybe it's because he won his world title in them. But they did make a figure, that uh, SummerSlam figure had these on them. But it still wasn't the right shade of salmon. Not the right shade of, no. shade of salmon, Mattel. Come on, don't fuck it up. Don't be a mark. Don't be a mark. <laughs> so, Travis, <laughs> when did you first see this match? I watched this one. I think I watched this one live. I want to say so. I think my buddy, my cousin, and one of his buddies got it, and I went and watched it. Pretty sure. And then I know I immediately bought the DVD when it came out too, but I saw this one live because I was just into Benoit as the champion at the time. 
And I honestly didn't think Orton was going to win it when I, because it was kind of two week build, everything. I was like, okay, they just need an opponent for him. A Triple H is going to end up somehow getting the belt back from him. And then, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen. And I was pleasantly surprised. I still believe WrestleMania 19 was the first show I ever. No. Yeah. It was one of the first shows that I ordered on my computer i could be that or was summer or survivor series 2003 and when you'd order stuff on your computer i've talked about this in the past <clears throat> you would get um it'd be like 20 bucks you pay 20 dollars flat so it was 20 dollars. you got the pay-per-view um and you'd watch the stream i think you could even go back and watch it like so many times or something i can't remember what it was but i remember watching for sure survivor series 2003 the royal rumble 2004 WrestleMania 20 and then SummerSlam. So but the big the big ones were the ones I typically would order. So I ordered this one the same way. And I remember just, you know, it's like almost it's like archaic now, like my my actual PC with the fucking big old like almost box monitor and just sitting there watching this fucking show in a computer chair, just mm-hmm. fucking entranced on it. Um it's not like it is now, fucking people having Roku TVs and bullshit. This this was a you know. Fuck, this match is is almost 20 years old, which is fucking nuts. Oh, yeah, and that that's another crazy thing is if you think right now Orton's been in the WWE in the main event for almost 20, 20 years. It's wild. That was a great reversal. That was a great it, reversal. Into a sharpshooter or in a sharpshooter attempt here. I think this may be one of my nitpicks of the match because he doesn't sit down on the sharpshooter. But well, it plays I'd, into the to it that he doesn't. He's never done it before, as JR points out on commentary. He's leaning a little bit. I think part of it is Benoit is a shorter guy, and Orton has such a, such a fucking long-legged motherfucker, man. Crank it in. At least it's not a rock sharpshooter. Give it there. No, the rock's were lazy. But and it, Orton it ties is in huge. huge. So huge it, here. It ties, it ties in because Benoit, of course, has been using the sharpshooter, but... They're in Canada. This is fucking huge. And yep. my one my one kind of nitpick with all this is the fans, they're just not really into this match the way I feel like they should be. Towards the end, they finally get into it. But through the match, they're just not really into it. And No, and, and I noticed that as well. And, and Lawler's very, very right for saying this is like bizarro. We're trying to get away from the crippled crossface. They're like that. Pulls him, stays with him right outside the ring and, and posts him. But yeah, I, I, I noticed that too is like, for this to be Chris Benoit, your world champion, he's Canadian, everything. They weren't as into it as I thought they would be. And I, I kind of get the gist from what they talked about on commentary the whole night. That that's just kind of how the crowd was. They never really got into anything, it felt like. Yeah, I remember watching it and just thinking that the crowd was, it was just Ooh. different. I'm like, man, that looks rough. Threw him right into the, the corner post there. And they're doing a good job here. I'm they're, they're working at a really great pace. They're, they're they're building a good little story here. I'm 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 digging it. Um, so far, you know, this is, you know, I believe it was March that Benoit won the title at WrestleMania. I believe it was in March. Um, and then this is you know August. What do you think of Benoit's title reign to this point? I enjoyed it, but my problem is is they went to the Triple H well a whole lot. Shawn Michaels got the you know the other match on Raw. But, man, he didn't have to wrestle Kane. <laughs> he really no. didn't have to wrestle Kane for the title. Could have done so much more with that. Um, I I fully believe that Benoit was world championship material, but I really think once they got the belt on him, 
they didn't know what to do with him besides put him with Triple H because he's more of a SmackDown guy. Like all the guys he would have had tremendous matches with were on SmackDown at this time. Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, uh, believe Rey Mysterio is still on SmackDown. I mean, mm-hmm. those type of guys he would have been in there tearing it up with. They didn't even let him and Jericho have a match for the title. And that's another thing I feel like they missed out on. You could have put Jericho in the Kane spot and had a better match and a better story. Yeah. I, I almost could have argued that like they could have turned Edge heel sooner and had an mm-hmm. Edge a heel Edge versus Benoit for the title, and it would have been a great match. It would have been a great feud for the title belt. Ooh. But I, I, he's throwing some great little taters there. I, I and some chops. I really do feel like this is something they always have a problem with. And I know I've talked about it on past episodes, but when you put the title, you know, the chase is there. Benoit, you know, the mania, great moment. Um, and then he has nobody to wrestle. He has the same, like, three people to wrestle. His entire title reign, he defends the title against Triple H and Shawn Michaels or just Triple H or just Shawn Michaels. Kane is randomly thrown in there, but you don't see him defend or feud against anybody else. And it's like you're cutting him him off at the knees because he has nobody to work. And him and Shelton Benjamin around this time could have been great because Benjamin was hot on fire give that give that young baby face a shot just because he's making waves that would have been great damn match didn't happen i love that spot this is back when they great didn't DDT. didn't uh whore out the apron as much either but I, i'll touch on it too man jerry lawler and jerry lawler and jim ross are fantastic on commentary in this match i know jerry lawler says bizarro world a lot but jim ross is calling this match like it's a fucking sporting event and i fucking love it yeah i agree I'm, every match that we've had jr on with the exception of the uh, new japan match oh let's watch this spot here oh it's so rough oh oh this oh he even calls us a tope and i had to bust out laughing he learned that in mexico <laughs> when he started in 85 i was like holy shit it's hard to believe ben gonna, been in the this is a great long. spot great fucking spot oh <laughs> Orange as fucking moves, Benoit. Smack Head dab butts. right into the barricade. Oh, and they replay it a couple times. He's grabbing on Earl's leg. Um, I, I, it's it's so it's it's such a great spot, and it's almost like he he took himself out of the match essentially with this spot. Oh, Benoit he almost got caught known. on the rope. Benoit was always known for taking that little extra mile, that whether it was with ladders or suplexes or headbutts or anything like he just made he, his. He wanted to make it look real. He believed in the the realism and the art of pro wrestling. He didn't want anything to be fake. I mean, there's stories of him doing 500 Hindu squats because he thought he messed up in a match, and everybody's like, "Dude, it's okay." And he's like, "Nope, fucked up. I gotta, I gotta punish myself," kind of thing. And he took that shit legit and real. His tights say was, for real for a reason. There was a spot right there where Orton picks up Benoit to throw him into the ring, and he like shrugs him off almost. And it mm-hmm. kind of makes it blur the lines. Is like, is he really fucked up? Did he fuck his neck up? Uh, and then Orton, you know, picks him up and throws him in again. It was just really, the, it was a little detail that I just noticed, and this I really like that. Also, hate Randy Orton with these elbow pads oh, at this time. I'm used to Randy with weird. no elbow pads. I know the left one doesn't last much longer. I'm pretty sure he throws that one off. I like this spot too because they even pointed out on commentary that he's going to the side of the head that he hit the guardrail with. And not a traditional camel clutch, and I thought that was he's a nice little fucking touch. biting him. Nope. Nope. He's freaking pulling out his eyes. Earl's not 
too bad of Earl Hebner here either. He's no, very I much, can handle him in this one. Yeah, he's calling it down the middle here. Something something you did touch on while he's got him in this spot. Uh burning my light better than voices. Yes. Theme song. Yes. Shortly after this, Orton would get burned in my light, and I fucking love that theme song. It ruled ass. Yeah. Fucking love that song. Oh, it was so good. Ben Wallace starting to fire up a little bit. Beautiful European uppercut from Randy Orton. There goes the arm pad, the arm uh, elbow pad. That's like my Orton. Too. I love. I love this spot too. I love he, Orton. Still has this move in every WWE game after this as well. It's just a simple little spot. It looks good. Yep. Modified neck breaker looks good. Orton thinks he's got it there. Smug look on his face. Did not hook the leg. Did not hook the leg. Look at Orton's that, face. The facial expression, man. That may be the most hillish thing he does in this match. The forearm across the face and the cocky cover. He does do the arm pose one time at the beginning of the match, but that's about it. I miss these yeah, type of replays, of too. WWE. There's a lot of rest spots, but I like the fact that they're they're using them, they're utilizing them in a way where Orton is working on Benoit's neck. That's what or that's what Benoit hurt in this match, his neck. So he folk that's all his focus is on right now is the neck. Look at that! Look at that! That's amazing. Yeah, but he's biting his fingers to keep them out of his mouth. I like yeah, the Benoit's pressure reaching around. Pressure of the little nuances there with the grabbing it and shaking it, shaking his arm. Sorry that that sounds bad if people aren't watching this when I say grab it and shake it. <laughs> you know, and and we we don't really talk about the the super dark side of Ben Wall on the on our podcast. Um, but you were talking about how it was so real to him, and he wanted to look as real as possible. To me, that's the detriment of what happened to Ben Wall is, is he mm. is he you know he took it so real that he suffered all these fucking brain injuries from from oh, wrestling like this beautiful double down. Oh, that's just like a car wreck, dude. <laughs> They just hit each other and fly off into like as as fast as they could go. Different different spots. It's just crazy. It's just damn good. This is this is a. It's not, you know, anything like outrageous that they're doing, but it's just well put together and it's just really good. Yeah, it's not a super flashy match, and it doesn't have to be. Sometimes the matches like this need to be grounded, and I. Was reading. Uh, we'll get to cage match guys here in a little bit, but I was kind of surprised of what some of the people were saying with this match. I mean, I do think they could have maybe grabbed a second gear or something at the little at the end. This match is almost like a throwback. But you look at the guy that's in there leading the way. It's 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 Crispin Wall. Like he's very much a throwback. Like there's not a ton of flashy moves. The most flashy was probably that backbreaker and then the tope that he misses outside, but. I, I dig this match. I enjoy the fact that it's not over the top for the sake of being over the top. Benoit's still selling the neck. And I, I got to say, too, man, Benoit's built like a brick shithouse. Up, oh, refer- trying to reverse these- it. Up, up. Northern oh. Light Suplex. Fucking love me a Northern Light Suplex. One, two, kick out at two. There's a guy in the background with a two sign. But I love it. Benoit's continuously, continuously selling the neck. He, he he understands working. Like he definitely gets it. Oh yeah, and, and now Orton's Orton stays. Orton blown up. <laughs> Here we go though. Ooh, this is when Benoit actually thrives. I feel like he's another guy you don't see get tired often. He's just boom, boom, boom on the go. Like he's just so good in the ring. Like a cardio machine. Oh, for, this is a good spot. I actually Orton forgot about it. Shoves him off. 
And this is when Orton was still doing a crossbody off the top rope. Yeah, about to burn in my light right here. Let's go. Look how look how long his legs are, dude. Look at that. He almost oh. over rotated because he's so fucking he's so fucking big. And and Jr. I love he pointed that out. He's like, yeah, Benoit tried to roll through. Orton blocked it. Like that, he plays with it. it like that. He blocked it. And I was like, that's up here it comes. And the crazy thing is the RKO, it's it's just now pretty much started getting traction. 2000, end of 2003, into 2004, the RKO is just now starting to get some some friction and, and, and going here. Oh. Love that clothesline. Orton just crumples too. Like, it's great. He's trying to fight off the... He hit those long legs. And the JR talking to like, yeah, them long legs. Sassafras. Oh, and here we go. German <laughs> suplex. Just, just freaking now the sale job. Shooter on him. And he's like, oh, you fucked up. Got it. And then Wall cinches that sucker in. Tap. Orton looking helpless here. So really quick, Travis, while, while this match is going on, we know the finish. We know what happens here. Do you think they crowned Orton champion too prematurely here? I don't think they crowned him too prematurely, but I do think they took the belt off of him too soon and they didn't properly build that. It was just a rush job to get it back on Triple H and to eventually get it to Batista. I don't I don't think that it was too soon for Orton, but I don't think they had a plan for Orton after he wins the belt. So I, I did a little bit of research and I found some stuff I'll talk about in the aftermath. Um, but I almost think that, you know, him and or like him and Benoit should have had a really close match here. And then they have a rematch. Cause Benoit said, you took me to the fucking limit. I want you, I want you one more time. Orton beats him there. And that yeah. way you draw out another one. But from what I, everything I've read, when we get to the aftermath, we'll understand kind of why they didn't go that route, but he gives him seven German suplexes here. And, Benoit, it like they're just so fucking smooth, man. I love it. It's crisp, and you don't see Orton take a lot of German suplexes in his career anymore. Like, I mean, it's just not one thing you see him take a lot. Up, oh. beautiful. Oh, took stuff for Brock Lesnar that time. Oh yeah. Oh, he took some with, with Angle he's, as well. He's limp. He's so limp. That's what she said. <laughs> there he goes. He gives him another one. Well, while we're at this point right here, Travis, cagematch.net users, what do you think they rated this match out of? They may rate it out of 10. What do you think they rated it? Sorry. 7.75. Surprised. 7.99 out of 10. It's so almost an 8. That's, that's pretty close. That's pretty close there. Yeah, many say this is a great match and – mainly significant for the history behind it because of course Randy Orton becomes the youngest world heavyweight champion. Uh let's watch this spot. This spot is fucking vicious. I love mm. it. Wall goes for a flying headbutt and Orton puts both feet straight up, hits him right in the fucking face. And they show the replay. It it gets him. It gets him pretty good. Yeah, because they call it the knees first. And they know they're like, oh hit him in the face with his feet. Like Orton's busted open there. But yeah, it it's is, it is vicious you don't see that very often either somebody diving headlong into to somebody's feet boots that oh he did get his yeah oh his right foot kind of like skimmed it let's watch it one more time here oh i love the old replay system 
I love it. And they were so quick to get them on TV. The time. Something uh, something I like about the finish for this match is it does come out of nowhere, and I love that. Oh. And look at that. Benoit wraps him up with the cross face. You think it's going to be over? And he's like, ah, oh, he's like, you remember? They're like, this is, you know, this is how Benoit won the title at WrestleMania 20. And Orton tries to roll through here. He's still ranking on it. He's going to roll. He's going to follow right with him. him. Rolls follow. right through. Benoit keeps it locked on. He rolls through. He gets off. And he gets away. Benoit's going to try to go for another German suplex here. Mm-hmm. Elbow right Elbow. in the face. Cool okay. little sequence here. Cool little sequence. RK go out of fucking nowhere. This is what rolls still over. Hooks well. leg one, two, three. And the look on his face, the crowd pops. Randy Orton is the youngest world heavyweight champion. 24 years old. Yeah. And it's crazy because this is where they're almost essentially diamond cuttering the RKO. Like it's gonna it could come out of anywhere, anytime, and no one kicks out of it. No one kicks out of the fucking. And they flat out said it was out of. They say out of out of nowhere. They say it and like they get it over. So, uh, gotta tell you, man, Orin with that title belt suits him. Looks really good on him. I've always liked him with the world heavyweight title better than the WWE title, and it just makes me think of his matches with Christian that are on our list. That I loved that whole feud that summer. Um, the Orton era has begun. Sign back there. Um, the Orton era has begun. But yeah, man, Orton, this is at a time he's young and probably still cocky, but he looks legitimately like excited and, you know, just happy to be the world heavyweight champion. Oh, yeah. Orton is so, is popping and then it's crying. Then while selling the neck. And then if you look, there's there's something that happens here. He rolls, I think he rolls over, and Earl starts rubbing Benoit's neck. And it it's a it's a nice touch. Like it's not too much from Earl, but it's like his neck's fucked. He starts he, like yeah. you'll see here shortly. But like I said, Orton has the belt around his waist right there. It just suits him so well. Yeah, here it comes. I think he may do it here just right a second. There. Yeah, right there. Like you yep. Just give him that little massage there. Not something you saw a lot. But yeah, man, I just, this, I could remember this vividly just watching this and that's an image that should be talked about and shown more, but for the reasons, you know, we've already touched on, it's not. Orton country, yeah, baby, it, in Canada. Yeah. So as he's still celebrating here, Travis, Lene's Mountie Mark Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Nasty Yaffa. Fuck He yeah. wrote... One out of ten. This definitely didn't hold up on a rewatch. It was a total bore. Watching Orton work the heat on Benoit was incredibly boring. It was too long and sucked the life out of the match. And honestly, Benoit's shine later on wasn't any better either. It was very boring too. All in all, a very bad, dull match. I like this part. I'm going to touch on Nasty F here in a second, but I really liked this part of this. Be a man. Be a man. Be a man. essentially get away from evolution and be your own man kind of thing. And it's, it, it's really cool to see because technically Benoit and triple H hated each other at this time storyline wise. And he, here's a guy giving Randy Orton, his, his due and telling him, Hey man, shake my hand, be a man, 
be your own man. Don't don't be with evolution, essentially. Well, it's cool because Orton has already gotten the seal of approval from guys like Mick Foley and uh, even, you know, having great matches with Edge. But this kind of seals the deal. Like, they're trying to make him a main event guy, and Benoit's been the main event for, you know, the past, what, five months, five and a half months. So sell job still though. Good. Good for him on that. Be a man. man. And Orton's like, people are watching me. I can't, can't shake your hand. It's like, be a man. Evolution's watching me. Be a man. Shakes his hand. Be a man. Fucking love it. Flash bulbs, flash bulbs, man. It was the, yeah, they, they adds to it. And this is the first guy to get to Benoit clean, man. Mm-hmm. Benoit and keeps the, the, looking at the title belt. This feud could have been so much more than it was. Just oh, a yeah. one-off. Even just a, a that, baby face that, versus baby face. That picture right there looks just, looks right. Just looked right. Yeah. What were you saying about Nasty Yaffa, Travis? Uh, man, uh, fuck him. I pretty much have said this numerous times. He, he, his reviews are fucking terrible on things. Like, he could sit here and say this match isn't worth a rewatch. I fucking don't think so. I don't think that's right. I would watch this match over and over again, man. There's, It's just a good wrestling match with a veteran putting over a young talent and, and trying to help make him into a bigger star and giving him a clean victory that over him in this match, like you said, there's very little he'll work from Orton in here and there he is showing his respect and everything to Benoit, which is, which is cool to see, but I enjoyed the limb manipulation there. Both guys were working over the arms because what do both guys use? He uses the arm to hook the head for the RKO. He uses the arm for the crippler cross face. Then he moves into the head when he hits his head on the, the barricade, the story's there, man. And the story leads to him hitting the RKO on the fucking head and neck like i just i don't understand what this guy expects from a wrestling match it's a fucking wrestling match this is a wrestling match textbook 101 wrestling match it starts out with some chain wrestling they even have a greco-roman knuckle lock that they, jerry lawler freaks out about the name and stuff but it builds and builds and builds to bigger moves and and then to a finish like that's a fucking wrestling match that's a championship match this is putting a guy on the map and giving him an opportunity to run with it so this guy can go fuck himself he doesn't need to watch wrestling if he doesn't under fucking stand it uh and from what i understand he only jerks off the japanese wrestling matches because he thinks that's the only thing that's good in this world fuck you nasty Yaffa. i agree uh, nasty yaffa can go fuck yourself um Travis, what what would you rate this match out of ten? Man, I I give it I give it an eight point five, and the only reason is I feel like it is possible that they could have grabbed another gear. I feel like, but I do like the way the match was laid out and everything. I think this match is almost like an appetizer for what could have been a second match where they would have stepped it up the aggression, stepped up the stuff. This is more like a filling out process. I mean, it's the first time these guys have been on the in the ring one-on-one, so it made sense, but you almost feel like this is just the appetizer to begin, you know, start out with, and we don't get that afterwards. But uh, Denton wasn't a fan of Orton's sharpshooter. I touched on that, but, man, the rest of the match I thought was solid. Like, I, I didn't 
there wasn't any holes in it. There wasn't any botches in it. It was just a good, good wrestling match. But I feel like there was opportunity to have another match and, and take it to the next level. And they di they didn't get it after this match. So I I give it an eight point five. But I feel like they could have act they could have done more, you know, later down the road, and it would have probably been a higher rating. I agree. Uh, I think with what you're saying about the second gear, I I, I believe in that as well. Uh, man, if I had a, uh, the first time I watched this back at the same time, I was kind of like, man, there's just not a whole lot happening. And I was like, man, it's still a good match, though. I'm like, I'll give it an eight. But watching it back again and kind of just watching it all build, uh, eight and a half, eight and a half for me. It, it was a fun match. It was definitely serviceable. Uh, both guys, you know, did very well with one another. The cell job was amazing. Um, the big high spots, the few that there were, were great. There was no botches in this. Like everything was crisp. It was clean. That flying, the diving headbutt and him getting his feet up. It looked great. Um, it was a good Com end. commentary was great. Com yeah, it was great. Um, uh, but eight and a half easy. So I think it would have hit that second gear. It would have easily been a nine for me, um, but still a great match and very historical. Um, a lot of people said that they believe it was a conspiracy they wanted Orton to have that record so they could kind of wash themselves clean of Brock Lesnar. So he's not mentioned every time, you know, he's the youngest champion, yeah. um, which seems like a conspiracy theory. Same time could be true. They do, they do that because they never thought that, you know, get that record away from Lesnar. So you don't have to mention him anymore. If he's not with the company. Don't give us a reason to mention him. Exactly. So, yeah, I definitely recommend you guys go back and watch this one or do the watch along with us. The aftermath, Travis. The very next night on Raw, Randy Orton defeated Chris Benoit in a rematch to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Rushed well, it. Yep. Rushed it. Agree. After the match, Evolution threw Orton a mock celebration only to reveal that they were not pleased with his new victory. While Batista had Orton propped on his shoulders, Triple H gave him the thumbs up and then changed it to a thumbs down. It's super infamous. It's one of the most notorious moments in Raw history. He then told Batista to drop Orton to the mat. Orton's face is amazing. Uh, and then Flair and Batista attacked Orton as Triple H told him he was nothing without evolution. On the August one, Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's fucking rushed, too. That was so fucking rushed. Everything was a whole month and a half build, two months build, rushed into one fucking night. Sounds like a night in Scott's bedroom. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> On the August 23rd episode of Monday Night Raw, Triple H told Orton to give him the title or pay the price. Orton refused and then spit in Triple H's face and hit him with the belt, turning Orton into a babyface. So, in my head, I hear all this happening. I'm like, man, this all sounds so fucking rushed. Why would they fucking rush all this? Like, this is, you know, you have a build here potentially being something huge, and you're like, it's like melt or not melt, right? It's like uh, Tony Khan in it. You're just going to fucking blow your load early and get it out. So I researched it. So according, take this for what you will, according to the August 25th, 2004 edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the angle was rushed. Originally, rather than moving into an Orton Triple H program immediately following, some, following SummerSlam, the plan was for Orton to do a championship rematch with Chris Benoit on pay-per-view while Triple H came out of his SummerSlam singles match with Eugene into a tag program with Trip, uh, Ric Flair to take on William Regal and Eugene. We would have eventually seen Triple H versus Randy Orton and an evolution turn as part of the build towards WrestleMania. But the whole thing 
was advanced many months to Unforgiven because of a because of a bad rating Raw received before SummerSlam, combined with a negative audience reaction to Eugene on the pay-per-view. It gave the impression that the character was over and done with and it has gone as far as it could possibly go. Meaning, something else had to be done for Triple H. And what was done was reinserting him into the championship picture. I know we shit on Dave. This makes perfect sense, though. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like the the bloom was off the rose with Eugene, and like they, they were trying to figure out a way of, out of it. But it would have been cool to see Triple H versus William Regal just at this time would have been pretty cool to see. Um, but I think, honestly... They're probably catching some backlash for that Eugene character too, and they're just ready to to wash wash their hands and be done with it. My uncle believed it, so they they fooled him. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that strength! <laughs> oh man, it's so fucking wild. I think of Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff then scheduled a match between Orton and Triple H for the title at Unforgiven, where he lose the title to Triple H. Such a terrible, terrible booking decision. Rumor is that WWE needed a Hill champion for Taboo Tuesday so that the fans could vote for which valiant babyface challenger they wanted to see unseat Triple H that hold to win the gold. They didn't Triple need H that. was no Triple H was obviously the man for the latter part of the formula. Um so going back, um we'll talk about it here then a little bit for a second, but I wanna we were talking about Edge earlier. So originally from everything we've heard, I think you heard it as well. I think Edge had talked about it. I don't know if we've talked about it, but Taboo Tuesday was supposed to be Edge's comeuppance. Mm-hmm. If if Edge won the poll, which was legit, that he was going to take the title off Triple H is what he was told. Yep, he was going to win the belt. Put so, the belt on him. What happened was Shawn Michaels won the vote. So and, in return, the the loot the two people that lost that would take on uh, La Resistance, I believe it was La Resistance for the tag titles. Edge was not happy about losing, and it actually worked out great for his 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 heel storyline arc, which would pretty much start with Benoit. So really quick back, rewind back to Benoit. Benoit would feud with Evolution until he would begin a feud with the heel Edge. Uh, they actually won the tag titles after Edge walked out on them. Benoit won the tag titles himself, um, and he was never there to defend them. Um, they would see these guys feud all the way up to the end of the year. Orton would take on Triple a- or Ric Flair in uh, a cage match at Taboo Tuesday, um, and then they would bloody. roll bloody his bloody match. Then they would roll into Survivor Series where Triple H convinced his team that if they won, he would give them all title shots, and then the. Uh, if the baby faces won, they got to be um, allotted like a week where they were general manager. But the rule was, I believe, Triple H and Benoit, like per their rules, he would never get another title shot against them. So the yeah. whole idea was build, building into, uh, after getting it, that he couldn't put the title on. The title ends up becoming vacated. Um and then they go into New Year's Revolution and the Elimination Chamber match with Batista, um, Orton, Triple H. Shawn Michaels, ben, right? Shawn Michaels is the referee. Okay, Shawn Michaels, yeah, the referee. So it's it's 
Triple H, Edge, Batista, Benoit, Orton, and who's the last one? Is it Jericho? Maybe Jericho. I'm I believe it's Jericho. I, I believe. I believe. Yeah, because I believe it was the the babyface team was Jericho, Benoit, Orton, and Maven, and they all became they all gave themselves title matches because they were like general manager for the week. It was really cool television. I liked watching it around that time. But of course, Triple H would win, and this would see the slow turn of Batista becoming the man. Yep, it's the slow turn that would probably. Should have been Orton. <laughs> Should have been Orton's thing, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was and, Benoit, Edge, Jericho, Orton, Batista. And then Michaels was a special guest referee. Got it. Because Michaels had knee surgery after his match at Taboo Tuesday. Yeah, and the fans still voted a hobbled man into the championship match at Taboo Tuesday. Taylor fucking made for Edge to turn heel, baby. I loved it. Good shit. Yep. So that pretty much wraps up Chris Benoit. This time period for Chris Benoit. I was trying to think of the right way to say this. Uh, we have more matches with Chris Benoit featured in them, but this is the last match timeline-wise that's on our list for Chris Benoit. I feel like Chris Benoit goes back to be like an upper mid-card guy to a mid-card guy the rest of his career. And then, of course, you know the tragedy took place in 2007. So um, just pretty much three three years after this match. That's well, he also, he also gets injured uh, for the majority. What is it of... Late six, low late oh five oh six, he gets injured, and then when he comes back, he's United States champion and stuff. He's not back in that world heavyweight title chase. No, so yeah, that's essentially where we're at. Um, that's it, Travis. That's all. I that's all of my notes for this week. I really enjoyed this match. I I think the uh, I was a big fan of Randy Orton. I like cocky heels, so even when he was a heel, I enjoyed him. Um, his match with Foley is fucking fantastic as well. Go back and listen to that episode on our podcast. Um, but onward, Travis, to next week's episode. Guys, if you're new to the podcast, and um, shout out really quick. We were in the, t- the top rankings. Uh, we were rated uh, almost the top 100 wrestling podcast in the U.S. on Apple uh, Podcasts. So thank you, guys. It's really cool that you guys were listening to the episodes. Um, but if you are new to the podcast... If you are new to the podcast, this is how we pick next week's episode. Myself and Travis, and at the request of some of our friends, we've put together our list, our wrestling recommendations. Now, these matches on this list go all the way back to 1978 and feature matches just from a couple weeks ago. Uh, They feature every organization you can think of, WCW, WWF, WWE, uh, NWA, ECW, TNA, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, Ring of Honor. It's a good majority of, of a lot of stuff all mixed up into one. Even the wrestling show I'm involved with, NGW, there's matches on there from NGW as well. Uh, what we do, though, is we take this list, we put it into a randomizer, the Will of Names, the Will of Destiny, uh, and uh, we hit shuffle and we spin it. Whatever it lands on, that's the episode we cover next week. It's a complete shoot. We have no idea which match we're going to get next week. Sometimes we get pretty close. We luck out when we take a pick and we get really close to it. Travis, what do you think we're getting this week? Uh, I'm going to go AEW, man. I'm going to pull it, pull it, pull it again. I, I want to get it so I can tell Eric, fuck you. I uh, covered an AEW match. Man, I'm still knocking on wood. Savage DDP. I want Savage DDP. Deep down, I want William Regal, but I've asked for that so much, I know I'm not getting it. I would also like an NGW match because I think it'd be fun to review it. 
NG Dub. NG Dub. All righty, Travis. We're going to say three, two, one, and it's spinning. Spin the, spin the wheel. wheel. Make the deal. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. Spin the wheel. Spin my, stopping Travis. Spin my balls, nasty Yaffa. What topical? Topical? Topical. CM Punk? Topical. Topical. <sighs> topical. So, so it's punk. Okay. It's a raw match. Is it him versus John Cena? Round WrestleMania? You're goddamn right it is. Goddamn WrestleMania. Too fucking good for this. <laughs> Punk versus Cena from Raw, February 2013. I gotta say. The, what the, could have the been wheel, the main event of WrestleMania? Well, that too, but the the will has been on fire lately. Because yep. we got the dog collar match. It happened a week we 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 ran it when we released the episode. It was one week to the basically day of the 40th anniversary of that fucking show. Yep. This one is the return of Orton on the return. Randy of Orton. Orton returned this past weekend, and Randy Orton's on there. CM Punk returns this past weekend, and we get a CM Punk match for next week. Dude, uh, yeah, the will the will is uh, our almighty ruler and leader apparently. It listens. It listens to not what we want, but what we need. At this point, yeah, you're right. You're right. We've already talked about John Cena up to this point as well, so it's just going to be kind of talking about probably from the Royal Rumble on. But we have not talked about Philip Brooks yet on this podcast. I was about to say this is CM Punk's first uh, foray onto the pod. First foray. I'm really excited. Like you were saying, Travis, this is. this is a match that's talked about, but not as much as it should be. To me, it's one of their best matches together. Oh, yeah, and it's almost like CM Punk's fuck you for not being in the main event of WrestleMania that year. But we'll talk up, about that. He, he, he ends up having the best match on that WrestleMania, but, you know, it's it's not the main event, essentially. Yeah, I dude, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm excited to talk about, about CM Punk. Like I said, we've already talked about John Cena, uh, so we probably talk about, you know, uh, the Royal Rumble on from where he wins the Royal Rumble match to this point, but we have not talked about CM Punk, so I'm really excited to talk about CM Punk and uh, it's just super topical. I love that the list has been doing this for us. 100% shoot, guys. We did not. I did not manipulate this. That's that's what it is, man. So um, really excited to cover this one. Pile driver, motherfucker. Pile driver. In the time when it is fucking uh, banned, they pull one out of the pull it out here. It's great. Fucking love it. Man, Travis, let's polish this episode off, man. What do you got for me? Oh, not much, man. Just still selling stuff on the E of Bays at TGL The Man 12. Sure to check that out. Uh, Stores currently on hiatus as I am in North Carolina, so I won't be able to ship ship your shit until I get back. Ship Um, your shit. Ship your shit. (laughs) We just just did a podcast session earlier with the guys from the Wrestling Purist. Uh, It's their third edition of The Shoot where we just pretty much talk about everything wrestling. We felt like we needed to after the returns and everything that happened and then just, you know, AEW bullshit and stuff. We just hadn't been together in almost, a, I, think, I think Ryan said 15 months. Uh, so it was nice to get back together with those guys and uh, watch wrestling a little bit with each other as we enjoyed CM Punk's return promo. Uh, be sure to check us out in uh, for Rants for the Black Lodge, or from the Black Lodge, sorry. Uh, Brandon A. Life, Canada A., sorry about that. Uh, we 
still pushing that magazine, man. They put out a, their first edition of the magazine. We have an article in there about Hell in a Cell 1997, uh, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And, you know, going over there to see them on Facebook or uh, is it, what is it? Uh, I can't remember what their website is, but, you know, check them out on Twitter or Facebook. You can find it there. Uh, all proceeds from the uh, magazine go to charity. So good for good for that. And then got an episode coming up with the Wrestling Purists to cover Halloween Havoc 1996, which is Hogan and Roddy Piper. Uh, probably not the best match they ever had together. And, you know, that's about it, man. We're, we're all over the place, it seems like, right now. And the Christmas season is upon us. So everything's about to get crazy. I love it. I love it. Yeah, guys, definitely check us out wrestling recommendations on facebook and tiktok uh continue listening to us guys we appreciate it we love being in the uh rankings uh we appreciate that people are giving us a listen and that gets me excited i love that we're getting new listeners um i'm just really excited check us out on x or twitter on uh at wrestling recom r-e-c-o-m-m um check us out on uh cagematch.net i started doing some reviews travis yeah fuck you nasty effa they better not put me on there I'll be just so, giving reviews of your reviews, you piece of shit. You can only you you can I can we can only post stuff like right now about matches. We can't actually rate them. Once you're on there for a week, they'll they give you that access to do so. So, um, marks. So I started going through and just putting our thoughts on what we've said matches were. So we're on there, guys. So uh, if you get on there, look up nasty yaffa that motherfucker. Um, but definitely check that out. Um, like you were saying, Ranch in the Black Lodge, our good buddy Brandon over there, and then the the magazine that he put out you know episode or issue two travis had a good hand in um but yeah man i'm super excited see a punk fucking versus john cena next week i'm really excited about this it's gonna be a good one boners boners indeed guys i'm eddie and this is travis and we look forward to talking to you next week